your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 270 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And another road trip right from hell concludes with defeat to the Edmonton Oilers. 6-2, the final score. The Oilers are now 7-0 against Ottawa this season. And Ottawa limping through another road trip. Remember how bad the first one of the season was? One win in seven games. Well, they just finished one with one win in six games. No wins in regulation, just the one shootout victory in Calgary. We'll get a full recap of last night's game that started with a goal against 10 seconds in and never got much better. It's our first game with absolutely no sense central standouts. We'll explain why, but then turn to the Nodak Sens, who had quite a few standouts in their 6-2 victory to kick off the Frozen Four. It wasn't all great, though. JBD left with an injury. We'll try to update that as best we can. We also have our Send Central Citizen. Of course we do. It's a weekend edition of LOSP. Code Long joins us all the way out in Edmonton. How do you become a Sense fan out there? He got, dives into his origin story, all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Saturday, March 13th in Pilsy. Usually at the conclusion of games, you and I text back and forth. Who are the Sense Central standouts? We compare our list, but last night, it was quite an empty back and forth. Yeah, I think I responded with, yikes, uh, no Sense Central standouts tonight. I think the, the closest we could get, I thought Mike Riley had a decent game. He had a decent stat line, but even still, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't say that he was a standout and when you start a game off 10 seconds in and the Edmonton Oilers get a goal right off the hop, you just know the rest of your night is going downhill. This is a Joey Decord stand podcast, a pro Joey podcast, and he'll be the first to tell you that was not his best effort last night. We're just happy he avoided injury with that crease crash late in the game. I almost wanted to text you and be like, hey, maybe Timmy is standout, but that giveaway on, on one of the Edmonton goals, you cannot pass the puck there. It was a game full of mistakes. How can you clean those up? Because, I mean, from three-on-ones against to, to just poor puck management in the defensive zone, this was just a disaster. Yeah, the biggest thing for me was I was finding that most of the goals that happened, the Senators had an opportunity to clear the puck. You mentioned one right there, and we'll go through the goals chronologically as we usually do, but the centers had opportunities to clear the puck and just a weak clearing attempt or trying to pass it to someone who's not open and it gets turned over, turned into more ozone possession, more tired guys on the ice, more opportunities for the Oilers. And another one, you mentioned the quick rushes. Now, when you play up against the greatest player in the NHL right now and a guy that can go over 40 kilometers an hour on ice speeding in school zones, you can't always stop the guy from getting quick rushes. But it seemed like the Edmonton Oilers were just really able to create quick two-on-one odd man rushes. Like it was very easy for them to transition into those uh, odd man rushes for them. And Joey Decord, sure, wasn't his best game, but he had to make a couple big saves on those chances. So 
not all his faults. Hashtag goalie friendly show. We're not going to rip on him, but man, that first goal, that was a weird one. That knuckle puck, like if you watch the slow down tight replay, that puck is flipping over and over and over in the air and it just catches Joey in a weird spot. Yeah, and there's not much uh, that that he's going to be able to do other than bounce back, right? Like that it's a stinker. There's no doubt about it and it just kind of deflates the whole bench. It's one of those momentum goals we always go back to. But then it's a matter of what can you do after? We keep talking and they did have an answer, although talk about a fortuitous bounce for Shabbat to get his fourth goal of the season. Yeah, and that's what I liked. As soon as that goal happened, I, I thought immediately, well, oh, crap, there goes my money line bet. <laughs> Although I did bet the over, so I was kind of happy. But I thought, how is Joey going to bounce back from this? Joey has played in a couple of games, but he hasn't had a lot of adversity. Like, they haven't been blowouts, nothing like that. So this, not a good sign off the bat. How are you going to bounce back? And how's the team going to bounce back? I think right after that goal, the Sens started dominating. Like, they were, they had puck possession, getting shots on net. And yeah, you said it. I think the hockey gods, I knew that was a bad bounce. So they had to give one back to the Sens. And, but don't take away from Thomas Shabbat's play here. He comes down the middle of the ice doing exactly what we love seeing him do. Scan the ice and look for opportunities to create offense. And he noticed the Orange Sea was parting. All the Oilers players were either going to the far side or going for a change. Why not take that free real estate up the middle of the ice in the neutral zone if you're Thomas Shabbat? So that's what he does. And Thank goodness that uh, that pass went off of, um, I think it was Tyson Berry skating in because I don't know if I would have liked Chris Tierney's chances of getting a goal, oh even God. on an empty net, wide open uh, backdoor tap in, eh? Yeah, it looked like a situation where Shabbat ran out of real estate moving down low and he's just like, I got to throw it in, into an area where at least somebody could get it. And sure enough, it was Tyson Berry's skate, but then Berry uh, made, made a mockery at the other end of the ice, a nice top corner snipe, great feed. From Connor McDavid on this one. And I hate to harp on Chris Tierney again. He's one of my guys, but my God, you got to clear yeah. that puck, especially when you have a weak clearing attempt. And who does it go to but Connor McDavid? You might as well chalk a goal up for them right away. And Tyson Berry gets way too much time and space, just drifts into prime home plate real estate area. And credit to him, though, what an absolute snipe. Like, what a great shot. No chance for Joey Decord on that one. Yeah, it was a great shot. And you mentioned McDavid. That was his 33rd assist. He has 13 more assists than any senator has points. Let that sink in. Tyson Berry, his fourth of the season. Berry's got double-digit points against Ottawa as well. He's got 10 points against Ottawa. He was my lookout player for last night. But not only that, McDavid's assist and also Dreisaitl's assist. They both had just another feasting against the Ottawa Senators. Dreisaitl is now up to 17 points against Ottawa, the most ever in a single season, passing Owen Nolan, who had eight goals and eight assists in eight games. Now Leon Dreisaitl is at 17 points in seven games. So still two more to go. That's uh, that's one thing. But then when you have Connor McDavid tied with Owen Nolan now, after his three-point performance, you're like, my God, when will the ending come for this matchup you know i love the all canadian division but i want to go back to only playing mcdavid twice a year because he just feasts on every single opponent but it was 2-1 edmonton going into the second period and ottawa ends up scoring the first goal of that second it was on the power play their first power play goal in four games now it was only the one the ball didn't get rolling much after that 
but it was great to see. They only had two attempts, I, I should say. But, man, oh, man, was that a beautiful feed from Tim Stutzland. How rare do you see this? So Brady Kachuk scores his 10th of the year. He's the first player on the Senators to reach double digits in scoring. It was his 10th goal assisted by Stutzla, his 10th assist, and Batherson, his 10th assist as well. Yeah, a couple 10s all around. And, hey, 10 out of 10 players, all three of those guys. And I love seeing that, especially I love watching the tight replays after because that you can see Brady Kachuk told Tim Stutzla exactly what he wanted with his eyes and with where his stick was planted on the ice. It looks like Timmy Stutzla is taking a shot on net. He has no interest in trying to score on that shot. That's going directly to Brady. And I'm sure this is a play they've talked about at their, uh, at their house playing shell in practice. This is something they've worked on because Brady Kachuk is always there. He's always open for business in his office. You just got to get him the puck. And that's exactly what Tim Stutzla did. And credit the power play. That was some good movement, good puck movement, because you, you don't get that kind of spacing and time and opportunity unless you get the puck moving around and get those penalty killers out of position or maybe puck watching a little too much, that kind of thing. So credit to the young Ottawa centers, that first power play unit, sure, maybe they're not successful enough, but when they're looking good, they look great on this power play. Yeah, they do show signs, but then defensively, the signs of youth are still there because it wasn't long after. And at this point, it's 2-2. You're like, okay, the next goal is huge. At least get into the intermission tied at two, but a failed clear by Batherson with uh, Dadanov right there. And this is probably another one Joey wants to have back. Just a little wrist shot from Darnell Nurse. And hey, you highlighted Darnell, or you highlighted Tyson Berry. I've highlighted Darnell Nurse. These two are just eating up the Ottawa Senators. And there's another goal from. I don't think Darnell Nurse is really coveted as a goal scoring defenseman. So for him to be able to light it up like this is uh, not great for the Sens. And I think it's like losing seven games against the Oilers. The Senators are pretty much responsible for giving the Oilers a playoff berth. Like, it, like that's seven wins out of 56, and they're not even done. They could get all nine wins. That's an that's almost what, like a quarter of your season one against one team? That's going to help you get into the top four of this division. And unfortunately, the Senators, we want to play spoiler, but... We didn't play spoiler with the Oilers, that's for sure. Hey, maybe playing spoiler to Austin Matthews winning an MVP award, that could be a nice little yeah. uh, feather in the sense cap. But So at that point, it's 3-2. Ottawa's moving around a little bit, and oh no, look out, another one of those momentum goals. Last minute of play in the period, killing a penalty, and McDavid flying around on his horse in the offensive zone. He cuts behind the net, and I know you're shorthanded, but Gabranson has to know who that is kind of drifting outside of coverage and stay a little bit wider because Leon Dreisaitl, who else but the guy who has the most points in a single season ever against the Ottawa Senators, maybe know where he is a little more. He makes no mistake. And at that point, it's 4-2, but it may as well have been 10-2. Yeah, honestly, the game is out of reach at that point. And I think the frustrating part of that is it was a 3-2 game. Sure, the Oilers are dominating, but score-wise, you're still hanging in here. And Tim Stutzla, young NHL player. That's that's a penalty you can't be taking. Like that's it. It's in the offensive zone. You're that's a little bit of a lazy penalty, right? Like that's basically a hook gone wrong, and his stick hits him in the face. So you can't have those penalties happening. So that right off the bat, you're tough. And then sure, 
it's McDavid. So you got to watch him, but all four penalty killers cannot be puck watching. Like you said, maybe have three guys watching McDavid and keep one watching dry side like Goody should have been. So that's just, that can't happen. And if it does happen, there's the result pucks in the back of your own net. Oh my God. Tad insult to injury at that point. Yeah. Four, two in the third period, they come out. You're like, okay, get one in the first five minutes. But again, a failed clear, Good uh, Branson kind of puts Timmy in a bad situation. I think first off, like where he put that puck for Timmy doesn't really give him many options, but then Stutz are like, that's the pass I mentioned earlier. You cannot make that across your own crease. It ends up being a bang, bang play right in the back of the net. Yeah. Tyler Ennis gets an easy one there, but I, I actually, I have a bigger problem, not with Goody on that play Ross, but Christian Willannon because Goody has the puck behind the net and then Willannon sees that he has yeah. a puck there and he floats behind the net with him and then skates Look. all the way around the net. And, and then he puts himself in a position. He thinks he's open for Tim Stutzel, but the only way Stutzel is getting that pass is by tossing a pizza up the middle and that causes a turnover. So for me, that one's on Willannon. Yeah, he's at the face-off dot when the puck goes into the back of the net, which is just unacceptable. You may as well see this as a power play goal because there's nobody on Tyler Ennis, but that no is one. one of the defensemen has to be in front of the net. That, yeah, that's and, just what it is. And Gabranson's behind the net, so Willannon has to acknowledge that and be right net front. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, And this is what I've been saying all year round. Like, It seems like a lot of these goals... Not only is one defenseman out of position, but both of them are out of position. And that is just terrible. And look, Willannon, that's a younger player. Uh, Goody, I'm not going to... though. He's two years younger than Gabranson. Yeah, yeah. But less experience. I should say less experienced player. Um, So I would have liked Goody to get in better position, not on that play specifically, but just throughout the last couple stretches, he's been so out of position lately. Maybe he's trying to do too much to cover up for these young guys that he's, he's always playing with in Branstrom and Lannan, but the positioning of the decor is just absolutely brutal. I didn't think Lannan had a great game. Like we're cheering for him to succeed. We really want to see him do well, but it's uh, it's a bit of a battle out there still. I hope they keep him in. So now 18 games out of the last 27 or 26, rather, he has to be in for him to remain an RFA. I don't see why you wouldn't, uh, especially if Riley and Orga Branson are moved out at the trade deadline. But yeah, first game in a long time. Let's chalk it up to that for Willannon and hope things can smoothen out because it's just a little erratic when the puck's on his stick. And We've seen that work to his benefit in Belleville, but it's really been detrimental at the NHL level. So at that point, game's out of reach. Gaten Haas gets the uh, the really cherry on top, whatever you want to call it. And the only thing we'll break down on that goal is it was a net front crash at 6-2, and you're just looking, and Joey's down for a sec. You're like, no way. So Joey avoiding injury there. That's the key to it not being a complete disaster like Wednesday night, but – Get the hell out of here. One and six on the road. Get home. What can we expect on Sunday against Toronto? Are you expecting a, a much better effort, a closer game against probably an even better team? It's funny you say better team, but I love the Sens' chances up against the Leafs way more than against the Oilers. That's for sure. And you know what? You're coming back from a tough, tough road trip. Now you got to stretch at home. It's the Battle of Ontario. You feel like you can be David up against this Goliath in the Leafs team. So I feel like we're really going to see a better effort. But again, we're going to know how this game goes in the first two minutes of that game. And yeah. 
like you cannot have a goal scored in the first two minutes against you, especially um, a bad goal. You know, like if Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner do their thing and and light you up, damn, that sucks. But whatever, you can't have a bad bounce or a bang bang play happen. Can I ask one last question about this game? Yeah. Why the hell is Josh? Like, I know you're 11-7, you're screwed, but you had to have known there was a chance that Anisimov, and they even had Ryan Nzinga was a game-time decision, but ended up playing. So how were they not prepared enough to have 12 forwards in the lineup when you have a whole goddamn taxi squad right there? Josh Brown played under five minutes in this game. like, And then Will Lannan played what a sixth defenseman would usually play, about 12. That was just a completely egregious miscue by the organization, whether it was the roster movement of not having a guy called up in time. Most teams dress an extra player for warm-up even to decide. But how is Ottawa putting themselves in a situation where they can't dress 12 forwards? And I thought Clark Bishop actually played a good game, uh, his Sens debut. But you have 11 forwards dressed, and yet Clark Bishop still plays under nine minutes. Like To me, you're just setting yourself up for failure like that. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you on that one. That uh, kind of a four fifty two as a defenseman. Like, what are you supposed to do when you're out there? You're not in any sort of flow. And not only that, Ross. Like, not only specifically, Josh Brown doesn't get a flow. But and go to Twitter. Uh, Mark Mathod comments on this as well. But no defenseman likes eleven and seven because. As a defenseman, you're literally programmed to always run in a six defenseman kind of mindset, right? Like whether you're on the first pair, you know you're getting this many minutes. Second pair, you're getting this many minutes. Third pair, you're getting this many minutes kind of thing. And you're comfortable. You're going to be with your D partner that whole game or at least most of it unless something goes wrong. Whereas 11 and 7, you're mixing D partners. You're not getting in the flow. You're not getting your regular shifts. You're sitting on the bench longer. The only time 11 and 7 really makes sense for me, Ross, is if you're in a scenario where you have, let's say, your top defenseman, so Thomas Shabbat, is kind of nursing an injury. He's not quite hurt enough that you need to put him out, but he's not quite 100% that you can play him uh, 25 plus minutes. So get the seventh defenseman in there to kind of supplant the the injury problem and kind of ease out those minutes so he doesn't have to do back-to-back heavy shifts or something like that. That's when 11 and 7 makes sense for me, not in this scenario. And further to your question about not having forwards, what's up with Matthew Pekka? Why didn't Matthew Pekka get uh, in the lineup? He was put down on the taxi squad and they just never called him back up. Yeah, that, that's weird for me. Like, you should be prepared for that. Like you said, Dezingle is a game-time decision and uh, you know Colin White's out and any defenseman you put in that you have ready at your uh, availability, I, an example, Josh Brown or Braden Coburn, that guy's not re- going to really help you move the needle much in wins and losses. So why bother having them ready? So definitely a weird move. I think they were kind of caught by surprise and the Anisimov thing really threw them for a loop, but still I don't like the preparation of that roster. Yeah, oh, it's a complete joke. I'm actually glad that I remembered that because it did not work and it just seemed like a reactionary move. Like they were it was a lack of being prepared. And I don't know what they're doing. They're lo- basically in a bubble. They're locked in their hotel room. You should know that you need to have enough players to play the game. This was reminiscent of the game when they traded all those guys, right? And they had to wait until someone showed up in the second period. I think it was Matthew it was Balsers. No, no, it was that uh, Balsers? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and Pekka was, Columbus was coming game. in. Yeah, it was. And Pekka was coming in from the airport or something as well. I yeah. mean, you just have to be more organized. 
Yeah, exactly. And then especially when you're going to 11 and 7 already is a weird move. But then two defensemen that you're bringing in that haven't played in what, 10 games for both of them? And that's that's <laughs> kind of like your your two for one special is two guys that are completely rusty. Ugh. Oh my god. Well, a 6-2 loss. The Ottawa Senators fall to 9-20 and 1 on the season. The good news is that they have 16 of their final 26 games on home ice and on home ice they've actually won four of their last five games so the odds will be against them but you should be all over them and you should be using bet online when you do bet online is the official sponsor of the locked on podcast network it's the one place that has us covered and the one place that we trust we even trust it more than pillsy's parlay of the day we'll get to that but here's how you get your free welcome bonus you sign up today at betonline.ag for a free account and then Use the promo code when you make your first deposit. The promo code is locked on. If you put locked on in, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You put in 100, that's $50 waiting right there for you. And if you put in 200, that is $100. So, how it works is the $100 will come into your account as free play money. Makes sense. You can't just get it and then withdraw it. You have to play and earn it. And to do that, we recommend following Pilsy's Parlay of the Day. And Pilsy's parlay of the day is hot. Another win last night. Sure, it was a little bit bittersweet seeing Kaprizov get a hat trick. Kind of pulls him an extra step away from Norris and Timmy Stutzla on the Calder Trophy race, which is not good for my bet online in .ag future bets. But they did get the 4 nothing win and the over in the Sens-Oilers game hit. So if you guys are following along, the faders and haters... Catching up, Pilsy's parlay. We're on the we're on the rise now. It was a low tide. Now we're on the high tide. So let's keep things going. I'm not going to get too greedy with the three team parlay, guys. I think that's been my mistake. I always get a little greedy and try to mix in a puck line or something. No, we're going straight money lines here. Similar formula to my four team parlay. Although I'm leaving Boston Bruins out of this for now, Panarin might be back, and the afternoon game is happening really early, so we may not get that in time. So scratch that. We're going New York Islanders money line, minus 165 up against the New Jersey Devils. I like that a lot. Tampa Bay Lightning money line, minus 295 up against the Nashville Predators. Nashville is just such a garbage team right now, so I love that one. Speaking of garbage, Buffalo Sabres. No, Jack Eichel. Like They might be the worst team in the league, and that's coming from an Ottawa Senators podcast. I think they've lost 11 in a row. It's been a lot of games in a row. And then when you're without your (laughs) captain, your franchise player, not looking so great either. So I'm sure the feeling in the room there is pretty awful. So I'm taking Pittsburgh to beat them all day long. I thought about going puck line here, but we're going to keep it simple. Money line at minus 208. So in conclusion, Pillsy's parlay of the day, New York Islanders money line, Tampa Bay Lightning money line, and Pittsburgh Penguins money line. Put 20 bucks in, and the odds actually aren't that bad. You're going to win 43. So I like all these favorites up against weak teams. I think this is one. Nor- normally, we would put 10 bucks in here. I'm putting 20 bucks in because I'm feeling good about this one, and I'm taking my winnings from last night, letting it ride. So let's go. Pilsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore get into the action so go to betonline.ag don't forget the promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit it's bet online your online sportsbook expert
All right, Billsy, time for our favorite segment of the week. It's our Send Central Citizen. So without further ado, here he is, Code Long. All right, we're now very pleased to welcome this week Send Central Citizen. It's Cody Long. You can follow him on Twitter at Code Long. And Cody, welcome to the show. You're all the way out where the Sens played last night in Edmonton. What's going on out in Alberta? I am. I am. I'm out in Alberta. It is a nice, warm day out here. Uh, it's a nice and sunny day. So it's, uh, it's a better day than the Sens had last night. That's for sure. After watching yeah, that game. No doubt about that. And I think we've had too many East Coast buys on the show to, to not know that that accent ain't from Alberta. But you're coming from <laughs> out East. You're out in Alberta now. How'd you originally become an Ottawa Senators fan? Uh, I became an Ottawa Senators fan from their, their very first game. Um, the one where they played uh, Montreal. I was uh, seven years old at the time. My, uh, my father is lifelong, diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And uh, my 13-year-old older brother is a diehard, lifelong Montreal Canadiens fan. So I was just happened to watch this game. And uh, it was against Montreal. And, you know, you get the big spectacle where they had the guy in the Praetorian guard outfit with the horns and the columns and everything and uh uh i, I watched that game and, and they they beat montreal like and this is montreal a good montreal team they won the at the time that year yeah exactly they had uh they had uh, old patrick in net at the time and you know before he gets traded and uh and when they win that game i'm like you know what this is my team and and it wasn't because i was in such love with ottawa senators it is spite it was just spite getting pulled in the direction of the Leafs or pulled in direction of the Habs by, uh, by my brother and father. I was just like, no, this is my team and uh, they're going to win and uh, I'm going to have the last laugh. And for the first few years, that did not go that way. Yes, I, I love that though, Cody, because I think most Sens fans are usually the, the product of hating all the Leafs and all the attention the Leafs get and feeling like they don't really vibe with the Habs crowd. So they end up with the Sens and that's what happened with you. And that's awesome. And that's so cool. You went to the first game. I love talking to people that went to the first game. What was the atmosphere? Oh, no, like? no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't at it. I, I was watching that at home. Oh, okay. You were watching, watching that at home. Yeah. Okay. Well, e no, either way, when yeah. you're watching that, like wh what was the atmosphere like even on TV? Like most of us are, uh, we didn't get that chance. So what was the feeling like? Did it like, did it feel like this was like a joke franchise or did it seem like these guys <laughs> really had it all together and we're going to come out swinging? Um, <laughs> looking back at it now, it's kind of more in the joke at the time you thought that they were like this big, it was this big spectacle and they had it together. And, uh, the reason I really remember watching is like my father played, you know, beer league hockey and, uh, and he was playing that night. So he was gone and it was just me home watching that game. And um, I mean, I actually rewatched the full game. I, it, it took a deep, deep YouTube dive <laughs> about uh, it, it was right after the, uh, the Vegas golden Knights came in because I actually just got these huge flashback memories watching their opening ceremonies versus um when the Ottawa Sanders played. So after I, after that game, I went and watched it and like, there was a lot of emotion. People were so into it and, and it, it looked like this big coming out and the, the vibe and the atmosphere was there, even rewatching it. But the most hilarious part after watching the Vegas, the Vegas one and now watching the, the Sanders one again, it, it was like watching a low budget nineties movie versus 
a brand new blockbuster. <laughs> it was it was bad. You had the figure skaters and 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 everything there. And it, I, nostalgia wise, it was great. But looking back at it, oh, it doesn't hold up. And not only that, Vegas is doing it in a twenty thousand seat stadium. Ottawa was using yep. their minor, uh, their junior stadium, eh, the Civic Center, with seven thousand people. Pigeons crapping down from the from the rafters. Yep. It was a little bit less uh, of uh, a Vegas production, I guess you could even say. So then yeah, it's they, they, Rome they, is yeah. Rome is built in a day. Was the headline in the paper the next day too? Oh, that was the headline. <laughs> yeah, oh, they God. thought it was copper bust. <laughs> they won ten games that year. That that's a <laughs> really bad headline <laughs> so who were some of your first favorite players i mean usually the people that we've had on always say alfie but you you were a fan before alfie was even on the team thinking back on who my first player was actually really i, I felt like this player prepared me for the future life of the ottawa senators fan base and that was alexi yashin he was the first star that they had he was their first big producer and so he was, you know, the player I first gravitated towards because he was their star. And look what happened. He holds out until he gets traded from the team. That If that doesn't prepare you to be a Sense fan going forward, what does? It happens to every one of the team the players that we have. Eventually they get traded or they hold out or something happens. Yeah, I mean, that is a good point. And it's unfortunate that that ends up being the way, like you fall in love with this guy and then it's time for him to get yep. paid. And uh, that's, that's kind of it. But... I want to I ask you, like, since you follow the team so long, now looking back at it, how do you feel about the whole Yashin situation? Like, are you still anti-Yashin or are you like, man, it didn't turn out. It didn't, it ended badly, but when he was here, it was amazing. Like, how are your feelings there? Two things help comfort the Yashin blow. One, the haul they got back in that trade. Oh my God. It, it's, it's the same way we're looking back at the Carlson trade now. Yeah. It was hard at the time. It sucked. But looking back at it now, you're like, wow, that was worth it. And it's good for the franchise. But also where, you know, you have other people that always say Alfie's their first. Him coming in that year and winning the Calder, being the first player to ever win any award for that team, that helped comfort the blow big time. No doubt. And then you started seeing them transition from rebuilding team to they go from 96 where you're still pretty much a last place team despite Alfie winning the Calder. How was the transition as a fan when you start seeing them in 97, string together a few wins, especially at the end of the year, and then game 82, winning against Buffalo, the number one seed to get into the playoffs. Did that kind of flip a switch among the fan base, you think, where it's like, all right, we're competing now? Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Because, I mean, for my household, uh, as I kind of said with my father and my brother, I'm just there eating it for years on, oh, I can't believe you're still a fan of this team or anything like that. And then they go on 10 consecutive trips to the playoffs. It, it, it changed everything around. Like now it wasn't uh, bury your head in the sand. You're an Ottawa Sanders fan. Now it's just like, okay, yeah, um, this is my team now. And it, 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 was, it was when you really started getting, when I really started getting behind um it, when they started winning i mean and that's that's professional sports you win you're loved yeah exactly and i think it's crazy like you so you got to you did the lowest of lows when the team started then you got back up to the top when they were going through their glory years and now you're back down at the bottom but throughout all this what's your favorite sense moment throughout uh it doesn't have to be the biggest moment nothing like that but a moment that sticks to you where you're like oh man that's my senator's moment I I would say the year the uh, the year that they had the um, the Heatley Spezza Alfie pizza line. line the pizza line oh my god it just not even the moment but that season just watching them steamroll teams 
And it, it like they they had success before, but that year where they just mopped the floor with everybody, that um, that's a, a moment that really and that came at the good time where now I'm a bit older. I started having money in my life. I can start supporting the team, buying merch, things like that. So it, uh, I'd, I'd say that was the first one that was just like cemented. I was always a fan of the team, but that was one where I was like, it's great. It was great. It was a That's pride awesome. moment. No, no doubt. And then especially like you make it to the Stanley cup finals that year, that in itself is huge, uh, going forward. And then, so there was the first playoff series, which I mentioned, they made the playoffs in 97. How about which playoff series stood out for you? For me, it's 2013 against Montreal. You get the beat down in the 6-1 game, the line brawl, all that. Or was it maybe a more recent one, maybe 2017 against Boston or uh, New York? I was like you. It was the, uh, the Montreal series, just, just because of everything that series had. Um, but it, the Boston series, because of all all of the storylines that that uh, that that had the you have uh, Bobby Ryan finding pretty much the fountain of youth for that uh, that playoff run. Uh, Eric Carlson on one leg, just making everybody look ridiculous. But then, I mean, the biggest one, you have Clark MacArthur coming back and he scores the series winning goal like that. The whole series was just amazing. And, and on top of that, you have the uh, that pass from Carlson to, to Hoffman or or even the pass from Carlson to, to Bobby Ryan with the slap pass him to score there like that that series just was ridiculous yeah i'm with you that's that's my favorite series and playoff run like the just the emotion the storylines the inspiration everything that happened in that boston series to lead up to that run was incredible now let's transition to the the current team and this is a question i like to ask all send central citizens is if you were dj smith today What's one thing you would change about this team to help them in the immediate future? Like, I'm not talking about going out and getting a big trade or something like that. Just what's the first thing you do to help your team win the next game? He needs to stop the seven defensemen. This just has to stop. Players don't get engaged in the game as much. Like, and you're playing, I I, I don't even know what what Landon finished out last night, but then you bring him in to bump out Brandstrom, who you're supposed to be developing. And yet, Josh Brown and, I mean, oh my God, Gabranson is still still there. I, I, I can't remember who they were playing earlier in the season, but Gabranson absolutely got walked by somebody. And I was watching that. It was the Oilers was thinking, with Pugliarvi, wasn't it? it? Okay, it was Pugliarvi, yeah, okay. I watched that, and I was thinking, if that was Wolanin or if that was Branstrom that that happened to, he would have demoted them to the non-existent ECHL team by then. Yeah. But because it was Branstrom, he gets out the next shift. Or, sorry, because it was Gabranson, he goes out the next shift. It is ridiculous. There's no consistency in that. So you think that 60 with Branstrom involved might uh, help speed things up? I mean, you got Artem Zub, you got Thomas Shabbat, and Nikita Zaitsev. So those three aren't going anywhere. Mike nope. Riley at the same time, like, is he going to be trade bait or whatnot? But is there maybe more that you'd like to see change with the defense? Or is it as simple as getting Gabranson and and getting uh, Willannon, or sorry, getting Gabranson out and getting Willannon more reps. I, I think that's that's going to be what it, it needs to be. I mean, you're not going to be. He's playing Gabranson like he's some insulating factor where he's just he's not. He's making mistake after mistake after mistake. So it, it's not like he's out there being what a Zub is right now. You know, just being steady and uh, and not making mistakes and someone you can rely on. He's not that. So if you can't have that in the veteran presence, then play the kids. Um, you have to, you have to start developing Branstrom more than anybody. Like I like Wolanin, but 
I mean, Brandstrom's the money there. And, no and the same with, with Riley. You got to, like, if you're going to trade him, like, I actually think Riley's been a really pleasant surprise. But I would move Riley even to Branson, er, and then I'd put uh, Branstrom with Zub to give, him, to give Branstrom the uh, stability that you think Branson's going to provide, but he's not. Yeah, no doubt. That's great. It's a perfect place to end off because kid, playing the kids is so important during a rebuild, especially when it's like a 56-game season. You only have a certain amount of time to see these kids, so you may as well know what you have going forward. And when with Landon, 18 more games, if he's not involved in, out of the 26, he becomes a UFA, and then it's just piss-poor uh, asset management once again. But, Cody, really appreciate you jumping on with us. That was awesome. Uh, our Sen Central citizen this week, Cody Long. You can follow him on Twitter at code long and i'm sure we'll be doing this again down the road cody thanks again all right thanks guys have a great day stick taps to our sense central citizen of the week code long thanks for joining the show especially on short notice that was a big help for us but you know what you need on short notice let's say you're going to a workout you're going to hit the hill go snowboarding skiing going for a run going for a hike and you're feeling a little bit hungry and you don't have anything prepared, well, bring a built bar on your hike or walk or wherever you are, going to work, going to school, doesn't matter. It fits right in your pocket, put in your bag. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They will fool you, I promise you. And maybe you're thinking, ah, maybe one or two of these flavors are good. No, 16 amazing flavors, guys. Eight chocolate with nut flavors, eight chocolate nut-free flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. You chocolate lovers, this is the brand for you, I promise. They're soft and easy to chew. And hey, if you want it softer, warmer, and easier to chew, try putting it in the microwave for 10 seconds. I haven't tried that. Apparently, it's good. Give it a try. There's so many flavors to choose from. It's great for the health-conscious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high protein, high fiber. And Built Bar always has something fun going on. It's March, so the Built Bar flavor bracket of 2021 is happening. But it's the weekend, so they're heading back on Monday. So go to BuiltBar.com on Monday for your next voting matchup. But before you do that, while you're waiting, why not try some of these flavors so you know what you're voting on? And the best way to do that is to go to BuiltBar.com. And you guys know as listeners of the Locked On Centers podcast, we got a hookup for you guys. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go get them now. How do you get them? Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your first order. Try it once and you will be hooked, I promise you. Go check it out, BuiltBar.com. All right, Pilsy, glad we got the Senators game out of the way because the Nodak Sens were unreal last night. They scored early. They scored often. They're now 18-0 when they score the first goal in the game. And, well, it happened uh, just about as fast as Edmonton scored on Ottawa. Ten seconds right off the opening faceoff and a beauty feed up from JBD. He had an excellent game, as did Jake Sanderson. The two guys really stood out. Yep, a nice game for the Nodak Sens. And no points for Pinto, but he was good in the faceoff dot, as he always is. I think he finished 16 out of 25, something like that. So that was a big part of the game. Oh, hum. Yeah, exactly. You know it. You know it. Uh, we talked about Reese Gaber being off the, the goal sheet for a while. He got the monkey off his back. First goal in 12 games. And I think it was his first goal in that building, Ross. So that was, that was a big one for him to get. Like you said, 
a goal and an assist for JBD. But the real concern there is he left the game. Uh, Schlossman tweeted, did not return after hitting the board. So a little nerve uh, nerve wracking there because hopefully it's not a long-term thing because we're hoping to see either JBD once the college uh, season is over and uh, <laughs> UND are, are champions that he would come either to Belleville or Ottawa. So hopefully that's not a serious injury. Get this, though. He had a goal and assist. He was awesome. You know, three shots on goal as well. Shane Pinto, though, minus one in a 6-2 win. That's, yeah, really strange there. This Colin Adams line completely dominated the game. Colin Adams, the Islanders draft pick, five points plus five on the night for for that line. And Kawaguchi with four assists on that top line as well. So those vets, those seniors really led the way when you're looking at how Nodak was able to win this game. I think that what Sens fans can watch, though, is Jake Sanderson perusing the offensive zone, just looking so confident with the puck on his stick. I thought it was fantastic, him setting up JBD. JBD's goal was a knee-down one-timer from the blue line. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah, that was a nice one by JBD. And yeah, good on Sanderson to get the assist there. And so if you guys are wondering at home, what's next for UND? Well, they play the winner of Denver versus Omaha, which is actually an interesting matchup. I think that'd be a good game. I might tune into that. And either of those teams are going to be a good matchup. Although part of me is kind of hoping Denver wins because that's a weak crew. They're uh, down to only 16 skaters. They have all their goalies, luckily, but only 16 skaters. I think that's a team that UND could really jump on, especially in single elimination games. So tune into that. And the winner of that is going to play UND on March 15th. So we'll be watching closely for that for sure. Yeah, we absolutely will. So as we mentioned in yesterday's show, there's no games tomorrow. So the other half of the quarterfinals are today, both Johnny Tyconic and Luke Lowheit in separate games. And then Monday will be the semis before Tuesday's final. And hey, it's single elimination. But if North Dakota were to lose in the semis, I doubt they will. But if they do, they are still more than likely to have a spot in the NCAA tournament based on the Penrose Cup champions, which means they were the NCHC regular season champion so fun to keep up with the nodak sends also ridley greg made his debut in the whl and didn't last long he got an assist on brandon's first goal of the year they end up losing in overtime but his game ended much much sooner on a pretty greasy hit yeah i I didn't see the hit uh i heard it was not a good one checking from behind and now we are talking about it i thought i saw a lot of pajot in uh greg's game i think the cadre effect may be a little more relevant here with some questionable suspensions and man greg he got suspended i think one of the first games of last season too so he's a guy that likes to come out with a lot of energy a lot of physicality maybe tone it down a little bit though ridley yeah, no doubt. But he, funny enough, he actually got kicked out of the first game from last season. So he's just getting it out of his system, right? That's all it is here. We don't have to worry. I don't think long term. He always plays on that line. I think he will going forward in his career. But hey, at least he got on the score sheet before he got kicked out. And uh, they'll be back in action sooner rather than later. 23 games left in this very condensed WHL season. So Lots uh, lots going on in the hockey world. We hope you enjoyed our Send Central Citizen. Sends Leafs tomorrow night, but Sunday's for God. We're taking tomorrow off. Monday, we'll be back for a full recap of that game and teeing up another busy week in Sends land. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. <laughs>